Reed's Ranch is proud to partner with Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm. GarzaLaw.com, 865-540-8300. If you find yourself needing legal representation, Marcos Garza and his team are East Tennessee's premier DUI defense lawyers. They handle criminal law and personal injury as well. If you find yourself needing legal representation in the state of Tennessee, do the smart thing and trust Marcos Garza and the Garza Law Firm, proud partner of Reed's Ranch. All right, let's get to the episode. Warning, the first nine minutes, we talk politics. If you're not interested at all in the Democratic primaries or whatever, just fast forward to you know the 9-15 mark, and then we'll get to the uh, basketball talk. I mean, this is the last stand. You're listening to the unfiltered. Well, I hate to say I told you so. There's nothing to be done besides to get on Twitter and tweet to all my dumbass followers. But I told you so. Hey, I told you so. The controversial. He's a dumbass. He can't do math. He's an idiot. He gets his haircut at Walmart. Look at that shitty haircut. The realest podcast in the Southeast. Let the dogs loose. Let the goons be goons. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. 11 in a row. Enough. <laughs> 38 in a row. As in 38 on this point when we were whipping that ass. Ranch gang, stand up. The holy war is upon us. Welcome to Reed's Ranch, the podcast with Seth Hughes. Like, just quit acting like this is any fun at all. Another edition of Reed's Ranch coming at you live Wednesday, February 12th. Seth Hughes joins me down in Alabama. What's up, Seth? Not much, John. Just another day. Happy to be here. Happy to hear your voice. Love to hear it. Love to hear from you. How you feeling? Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, good. Good. No tornadoes? Nothing like that? No tornadoes, no. Good. Just a lot of rain lately. But, you know, the, the crops need it. It's been, t- it's been wet out in the field because so much rain, but the crops needed it. Tornado Bernie blowing through. That's Torn- about it. Tornado Bernie. Um, I thought for a second last night that Gay Pete, he just kept sneaking up. He just kept sneaking up on the New York Times tracker. Gay Pete just, you know, he's he's kind of sneaky. Another bad, another bad showing for Biden and uh, Warren. Like, Not good for them. Here is the thing. Biden, yes, he ought to be embarrassed. I'm not going to argue that with anybody. To me, last night, like I thought Elizabeth Warren was the more embarrassing of the two. I mean, this woman has the media establishment behind her. She got the New York Times endorsement. It is her bordering state, New Hampshire borders, where she is senator. And she came in a distant fourth. Didn't even... She was the second woman. She was the second woman. I mean, Amy Klobuchar over-doubled her up, right? Yeah, Klobuchar kicked her ass. And this is her bordering state. Like, I was watching... um, I was watching John King on CNN last night, and he was going through, like, the state... The counties that directly border New Hampshire... And, like, she wasn't getting anything—the the counties that directly border Massachusetts. And she wasn't getting anything. She wasn't getting anything. She's it, in trouble. It's been a steady 
down downward trend since she went after Bernie for no reason and basically that felt like the end of it. That felt like the end of it, and then it feels like it's gotten worse since the New York Times endorsement as well. Yeah, like her going after Bernie and just basically just totally a coordinated hit piece on Bernie about what he said about women being president. Like nobody bought that. I mean, you had to be very gullible to buy to buy that. But I think like last night was probably the the peak for gay Pete, right? I think from here on out, Joe might win some, might win one or two here or there. But Brother Bernard, I think Brother Bernard is is about to roll through these next I think I think Brother Bernard Sanders is about to roll through the primary season. We go we go to Nevada next, I believe. Mm-hmm. Nevada, they're doing a caucus on this on Saturday the twenty second. And then they head to South Carolina to do a, a Saturday primary, I guess, which seems weird. It, it does seem very weird to do it on a that Saturday. doing it on a Saturday, but I guess for the caucus, it makes a little sense since it's so hard to organize all these people and everyone's like, what the fuck's a caucus? So, like, that all makes a little sense. But the primary being on Saturday, that seems weird. And then we hit Super Tuesday where there's, like, you know, 12, 14 states or whatever doing it on Tuesday. So, uh, right now, if you had to pick, you picking Bernie to get that nomination? Yes. Yes, I am. I don't even think that it will be particularly close when it's all said and done. I know 538 put out their newest um, projections this morning, and like their their top level, like their number one projection is Bernie wins. Number two is a contested convention because none of the candidates have enough delegates. Like that's what I think is going to happen. You know, they might. I really like. For, I think that if that happens, then like they've basically rigged it so Bernie can't run away with it. That's what I think is going to happen. Because, like, they basically did with Iowa. Yeah, that's what I think is going to continue to happen. Now, it might be a little harder because everyone kind of saw through the bullshit in Iowa, but uh, it's not going to stop them from doing it again, especially if Klobuchar can keep rising and actually make it a three-person race. Yeah. I've been, like, I was impressed with her surge in New Hampshire. I mean... I've liked her a lot in the debates. I do think that the more she rises, the more that it's going to get turned around on her and that whole thing she had where she sent that, like, 14-year-old boy to jail for life Yeah, with uh, very limited proof that he did anything wrong. I think that's going to get brought up, much like they're doing with Pete and, the you know, his his police chief and fire chief and all that. Yeah. I think when she finally starts getting questioned, that might stop her a little bit. But she has been able to be offensive and not have to worry about people attacking them. You saw that slowed Pete down a little bit when people started attacking him. So I think it'll end up being contested. You think Bernie wins? Do you, right now, as we sit in February, think Bernie could beat Trump or no? Um, I would have said yes until I saw all this stuff about how less people are voting and Bernie's not bringing in more voters. Like, Well, I, I think, well, I saw today that New Hampshire, uh, Blew past 2016 mark and might match and surpass 2008's record turnout. Okay. So I think that has changed from Iowa. Okay. I don't know. It just depends. It depends totally on, like, this isn't, like, you know, great analysis or whatever, but it depends on two things to me. One, does he bring in more voters? 
Like, does he actually bring in more voters? And two, does, like, the Democratic establishment really, like, at the end of the day, do they, when they sit down and they say, they have to make a decision, like Trump, you know, they're going to really kneecap Sanders, which will make Trump get another four years, or do they let Sanders just get it and see what happens? Like, if they decide to kneecap him, which I think we both think is very a very possible situation, um, then I think that, you know, Trump will win. Like, I think Trump would crush whoever else they put out there. Like, I think Bernie is enough grassroots and gets people excited enough. His coalition is broad enough. Like, if they let Bloomberg buy the nomination, I mean, they're going to be raked over the coals. Like, it's already started with some of Bloomberg's past policies as mayor. Yeah, I think that I agree with everything you said. I found myself really interested in this primary process, so I know that was starting the podcast Talking Politics, but I enjoyed it, so deal with it. Let's snap and clear. Tennessee lost to Kentucky on Saturday. I thought they played decent. They fought. That was the closest game until the end. And then they respond last night by beating the hell out of Arkansas. Last night was the the, the uh, most complete performance in SEC play. I mean, that's not really a a you know insightful point. Um, Bowden was terrible Saturday. Like just awful not just shooting the ball but like he had some turnovers that were just painful to watch but last night was his was he played pretty well I thought um it was the first time he had hit multiple threes in a conference game since the Missouri game January 7th and he didn't shoot a ton of threes he took the ball to the rack I mean what what can you say about Vescovi he was a savior of this season Save us, Santiago! And he's answered the bell. Before we even get into like how good he has been, I just want to say really quickly, I want to put forward a hypothetical. Imagine having this basketball team. And mid- at the midway point, Santiago Vescovi is thrown onto this basketball team. And you watch them practice for one week. And at the end of that week, you decide, you say, with a straight face, I'm going to redshirt this guy. Like, imagine thinking this dude needed to be redshirted. Do you think it was Rick Barnes thinking he needed to be redshirted or that he wanted four full years of him? Just because he thought he was going to be a senior, he was going to play until he's a senior and he didn't want to lose that last semester of a senior year. Yeah. And that this team wasn't going to go anywhere, even with Vescovi. And, you know, with Lamonte being banged up, it just was kind of a lost cause. I mean, maybe. Uh, maybe. You know. Full disclosure, I don't think that's what happened. I'm just asking. I don't either. I don't either. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, like I said. It, I think it, Barnes wanted to not have to play him because he didn't trust his defense and all that stuff. So, like, I'm not giving him the credit for wanting to save him for four years. I think Barnes is just hard on freshmen. I mean, like, I, 
you know, I don't know advanced statistics about basketball like I do with baseball and such. So I don't know like what the advanced statistics say about every player on our team. And I know that there have been games where Vescovi has been a swinging door on defense. I'm not denying it. But it's hard to convince me that like he's not just a lot better than Josiah James, that he's he might be the best player on the team. I would say it's probably overall, it's probably Pons. I mean, Pons or Fulkerson, but like last night, Vescovi was just... He's not even turning the ball over anymore. No, and that's been really good to see is just the turnovers have ceased for the most part. Um, You know, at the beginning, like, he was turning the ball over and I thought he looked slow. Now he's not turning the ball over and he doesn't look, you know, quick. But, like... He's quicker than he was, and he just, like, he kind of probes and probes and probes until he gets by you. I don't know how else how to explain it. Like, there were times he, last he night. He plays at his pace. He plays at his pace, and, you know, like you said, he looked slow at the beginning of his career here, you know, the beginning of the semester, and now it looks more like he's controlled and he is playing at his pace. You know, Andre Miller. Andre Miller did that in the NBA for 15 years, just where he was slow, but he would get by you through just misdirection. You know, the Grizzlies have a guy now, Kyle Anderson, who plays just really slow but still finds a way to get by people. There's It's it's a talent. You don't have to be the quickest. You don't have to be the fastest. But if you can get to your spot and probe, like you said, you could be very effective. There were several times. I can think of two times last night where he got by his guy for a wide-open layup, and it was just like, how? And then there were two other times that I can think of where – he got by his guy, the guy, the big man crashed on him, and he dished it off. One time he did that fancy wraparound pass to Pons. I'm, he has been a, a, a godsend, and he's really fun to watch. I mean, I it's just hard to imagine wanting to redshirt this dude. Yeah, it seems really stupid. I still can't figure out Barnes's like rotations. I mean, like Pember doesn't get any playing time last night, hardly even. I didn't have a problem with Pember not getting playing time last night. Kumwa played pretty well. Kumwa did play pretty well. It's just never. He it's played just, his best game of his Tennessee career. So it's just not. There's no. Um, there's no flow to it. No, but I liked what he finally set up with last night. I don't know how much longer Josiah's going to be out. I don't know if this even matters, but I, I liked that Jalen Johnson got put in the starting lineup, and I thought he played pretty well despite only scoring, what, four points, three points? Yeah, he had, he had, it felt like he had a ton of turnovers. I thought he played pretty good defense. I, uh, he did. He, he was on. a couple shots. So, like, you know, that to me is important that he was able to provide some athleticism, a little bit of playmaking, and, you know, was able to not be a negative on defense and was actually a positive. I mean, he was tasked with guarding Mason Jones, who is the leading scorer in the SEC. Mason Jones had um, nine points last night and went one of ten from the field. I don't understand why they didn't start Mason Jones either. Um, I don't know. Uh, that was Arkansas looked pretty terrible. They're four and seven in conference. 
Yeah, they looked bad. They're missing their best player, Isaiah Joe, but I think they're also kind of running out of gas. They also had played back-to-back overtime games, so I don't know if that contributed to him coming off the bench. I never saw an explanation on that. But Tennessee played a really good game, and it was a game they had to have, and they won it, and now they're in position to hopefully go to South Carolina and win that game and then beat Vanderbilt, and you feel okay about your chances of playing yourself back on the bubble. Yeah. Um, Is that where your head's at? My head's getting back on the bubble and trying to get back in the tournament. Uh, my thinking is this. If they beat South Carolina Saturday, which would be no easy task, they're playing really well. No, I, think South Car- I think South Carolina will be favored by two and a half, three points. South Carolina right now is up 18 at half on the road against Georgia, so that won't be an easy task. Um. My thoughts are, John, if they win South Carolina and beat Vandy, that Tennessee is officially on the bubble. And the season is wide open in front of them. All right. So good job by the boys. Yeah, had to win it. I mean, it's still crazy that after all this – after I mean, some of these games have been truly heinous, you know, that they're still – everything is right in front of them. I mean, the South Carolina win was heinous. Yeah, yeah. It was abysmal. It was, that was that was one of the worst basketball games I can remember watching. I didn't watch it. I had to listen to it on the radio, and it sounded even worse on the radio. Um, the, the I was in Baltimore. The Wisconsin game was horrid. Memphis was terrible. The loss at Georgia was just awful. I mean, but hey, they're losing right here. losing to Georgia and losing to Memphis feels pretty embarrassing, especially the way you lost to Georgia and Memphis has completely fallen off. Yeah, are they even going to make the tournament? No. I would say not. You hate to see that, don't you? No, I actually enjoy seeing it. <laughs> no, I don't hate it. It seems like a pretty cool thing. They wanted all the smoke. They're getting it. They're getting all the smoke. I mean, uh, they still have all these super talented players. Yeah, like I know they lost James Wiseman, but they still should be better than what they are. It's almost as if Penny Hardaway is not a very good basketball coach. I'm going to guess that not many NBA coaches, NBA teams come calling for, for Penny this offseason. I'm going to guess that is the uh, going to be the case. Have no NBA teams will be calling for Penny. They are underdogs to Cincinnati by six and a half tomorrow night. It's a bad look to tell everyone you want the smoke and then get your ass smoked. That's a bad look. Yep, it's, it's not good. That is not good. But, yeah, we move forward to Columbia, South Carolina to try to beat crazy person Frank Martin. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're playing pretty well. The SEC is just kind of stupid. Yeah, it's been a dumb basketball conference so far. I mean, what, I can't believe Florida's favored by five and a half on the road tonight against A&M. Who is? Florida. I mean that check. Uh, well, I would say it checks out, but Florida sucks. But A and M isn't a good team, so no. I mean, Florida. We really shouldn't have lost that game. We'd be sitting so much better had we not lost that game. That was a killer. That, that was. was it was bad news. But we press onward. It's like I say, we got to take it one game at a time in two game increments. That's right. You said it. Win the next one. We had to get through. You really got to win the next two games. You really you're taking these two. You're taking this in a two game increment, but you have to win both of them. But you can only focus on South Carolina. You can only focus on South Carolina. So, we press on eastward. 
I have nothing else to say about Tennessee basketball. You got anything else you want to get off your chest? No. No. I was going to say Big Germ finally made some coaching changes. That's what I was going to ask. What are your thoughts on the coaching shakeups? I'm glad Tracy Rocker is gone. I mean, he wasn't doing anything. He was coaching. He coached the boys up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm talking recruiting-wise. Like, well, how much do you weigh? How much do you weigh the importance? Is it 80% recruiting, 20% coaching, 50-50? Like, how do you feel? What do, what do you look for in your position coaches? Because I feel like he coached pretty well, but obviously was a negative to neutral recor- recruiter. He was a great coach. I mean, like, it, it is awesome that Tracy Rocker can take guys like Kavon Bennett and make them into decent to good players. By the end of the year, our whole, def- our whole defensive line was probably, um, I would consider, I don't know if I consider them individually good, but I thought our defensive line was good overall. It is, it's, and it's a very deep unit. Like, it's, there's no stars, but they have a two deep full of, like, good players, decent to good players, you know, and, it's cool that Matthew Butler can make some plays and, like, Karat Garland was making plays or whatever, but, you know, Tracy Rocker had a dude an hour down the road in Jay Hardy whose brother played at UT, and he didn't get him because Tracy just basically wouldn't do anything. I mean, Jay Hardy talked about he didn't really have a relationship with with Tracy Rocker compared to Rodney Garner. Um... Ansley was the one that had to get Omari Thomas. There's been several players that talked about, like, they just don't talk to Rocker. Peyton Page, the uh, number one defensive tackle in the nation next year in one of the Carolinas, likes Tennessee, has him in his top five. Volquest did a story with him. He's like, man, I talk to Ansley all the time, but my position coach, I really don't ever talk to him. I don't really have a relationship with Rocker. It's like this is a top five player in the nation. Thoughts on the replacement for Tracy Rocker? Brumball seems pretty good. He seems legit. Yeah, I think so. Um, It's quick. Uh, Pruitt moves with a purpose. Seems like he had his plan made up. You know, it seemed like it was something that obviously was in the works. Yeah, like Volquist said, Rocker almost took the job at Vandy like a month ago, but then Vandy lowballed him. Then he was going to take a job off the field at UT because that's what UT offered him. They were like, you can stay here. But you're not going to be one of the 10 or 11 coaches. And, like, he thought about taking that, and then South Carolina came through and gave him the offer. South Carolina, they had a ton of people leave, too. South Carolina's got a pretty talented defensive line, right? So, I mean, he could turn that defensive line into some monsters, correct? Yeah. My thing about Rocker is that I imagine he's only coaching one more year. Sure, sure. Um, you know, I Or would... maybe, maybe two years because his son – has two years left at, at school, right? Is his son a sophomore this year? Yeah, he is. Well, I mean, okay. it was a freshman, right? You have to yeah. say to your junior year. Correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Rocker's gonna coach two more years. So yeah, I mean, that's enough time. Or maybe he takes off his whole last year to go watch every one of his games or something like that. I like Chris Rumpf. Obviously, wanted the NFL lifestyle, and who can blame him? No, if I could coach in the NFL versus college, I would do the NFL. I mean, who can blame him? But not I. Tennessee needs somebody that's going to recruit. I mean, that's just, you know, Tennessee really did not need to lose B.J. Ojolari. But we did. 
but we did, and we're lucky we got Morvin Joseph. Shout out to Mojo. But you know, please, uh, please note that we had coined the nickname Mojo, but not like M O J O, like Austin Powers, but Mojo J O E. It might be a very easy nickname, but please note that every time someone calls him Mojo, it came from Reed Ranch. We will copyright it. Um, Shout so, out to Mojo. Uh, we're happy to have him. He'll be better than BJ Ojolari. Would you rather have BJ or Mojo? Give me Mojo. Yeah. So, I'm happy to have him. I mean... I you know coaching is probably I don't know if I could say which is more important. I just know that like you've got to have a dude coaching your defensive line who can do something on the recruiting trail. He's got to be able to do something. There's plenty of guys out there who are both good coaches and good recruiters. Sure, and Tennessee should be able to go get those. And, and Tennessee did. You know, Tennessee did go get one. We got Brumball immediately. If you're, I saw somebody say it. If you're good enough to coach defense for Mark Stoops, Jeremy Pruitt, and Mel Tucker. You're probably pretty good. You brought up Mel Tucker. He uh, left in the middle of the night to go from Colorado and leave after one year in February, a week after signing day, to go to Michigan State. He took $5.5 million to go to Michigan State. Seth Hughes, your thoughts? I have a lot of thoughts about it, and not really much of them like revolve around like Mel Tucker as a coach. Really, I guess. I mean, Michigan State got turned down by Fickle. And, like, they they came together and talked about it, and their next move was to make Mel Tucker an offer that he couldn't refuse. Did they offer Luke Fickle this $5.5 million? Because I can't imagine Luke Fickle turned down that much money. I, I'm guessing they didn't, which makes it all the more weird, right? Like, if I'm Luke Fickle, I'm like, hey, guys, I would have taken that $5.5 million. Yeah. They doubled, they more than doubled Mel Tucker's salary, and they more than doubled his assistant coaching pool salary. Following a 5-7 and seven season. Following a 5-7 and seven season. So, Mel Tucker might be awesome. My point is... We don't know if... I'm going to guess he is not awesome. He might be good, but I, I feel very strongly I that he is not awesome. He is He's not going to be awesome. He might be good, but not awesome. And this comes, you know, a couple of days later after they agreed to unretire those jerseys. Yeah, so what, what was the deal with that? So basically he made Michigan State people mad because he basically promised a recruit that they would unretire a jersey number, so the guy could wear a jersey. Is that or yeah, not, ma- not Michigan State, yeah. but Colorado? Yeah, yeah. Three, three jerseys. I think three numbers were getting unretired for recruits. One of whom was um, a football player at Colorado, obviously that went on to become a judge on the Supreme Court. So a pretty accomplished um, man. Yeah, but not, was he accomplished on the field or just in the in the courtroom? Because yeah, I, th- I thought he was pretty good at football. I mean, he might have been. I don't know who it is. Um, but you didn't start out with, well, he was an NFL quarterback or he was an All-American. You started out with he was a Supreme Court judge. Well, I mean, that's pretty important. I mean, it's cool. Retire his the, his favorite seat in the classroom. Retire his favorite seat in law school. <laughs> Name the law school after him. You got to get recruits. If he wants to wear a jersey, let him wear the jersey number. Do you know what the, do you, do you, 
you obviously didn't lead with, well, he wore jersey number 17. No, I don't know what any other numbers were. I think it was three players. Um, are these how, how good are these recruits, by the way? I have that's a good question. I have no idea. I feel like that matters. And I, I'm going to guess that they are not good enough to be making these demands because they're going to Colorado. So, um, I didn't By- see Colorado getting any five stars. Byron White was an All American uh, tailback. He was selected fourth overall in the NFL draft. Okay. So, um, pretty good. He led the league in rushing as a 21 year old rookie. Feels like he deserves to have his number retired. Um, do you know if he is still with us, a.k.a. alive? Yes, he is still alive. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My man died uh, 18 years Oof. ago. <laughs> Oof. Okay. So we cannot interview him and get his opinion on it. Mm-mm. No. I feel like you can't unretire a dead man's jersey. I mean, not for Mel Tucker, who just went 5-7. and seven. Like, I feel like he probably shouldn't have that amount of... Of... um you know, power, like, there's... <laughs> Just the ultimate disrespect to Colorado, by the way. Like, I don't give a shit about these players. I need these recruits now. Yeah. Is Michigan, is Michigan State a better job than Colorado? Yes. I've thought about this. The Pac-12 I, is dying and the Big Ten is good. I don't think it's, like, that big a difference. No, no, the Pac-12 is dying, Seth. I want to I, I, I get out of that conference. Okay. Now, now, granted, when they offer you that much money, you got to go. Sure, but Michigan State is probably what the fifth best job in the Big Ten, behind Wisconsin, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, and uh, right, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. Those are probably the top four jobs in the conference. Yeah, I think you can make. I think you can make an argument for other schools after that. Like who? Like Nebraska? And well, I was going to say Maryland because of recruiting base. No, no, not Maryland. I think you could make that argument. Recruiting is national now. I think you could make that argument. It's still largely geographic. That's why Nebraska can't be good. That's why Nebraska can't get good. You ever heard of Adrian Martinez? I didn't know he was from Nebraska. Geography still matters. Was Adrian Martinez from Nebraska? No, but he's not that good. Is Henry Tuotuo from Tennessee? No. Is he, is he from Georgia or Florida? I think you can make the argument Maryland. I didn't they did say get that one guy. I, they did get they did get Raheem Jarrett. I didn't say it was. I just don't know how you make the argument that Maryland Maryland who hasn't had any football success. When's the last time they had any football success? I mean, I besides besides beating Texas. I mean, that's a genuine question. Like, when's the last time Maryland's been good at football? Frisian took him to the Orange Bowl. Okay, and that was when? Uh, this millennium, I mean, this century. Right, I mean, they kicked our ass in a bowl game, too, so. I'm I'm, I'm just saying, like. Well, either way, where do you rate Colorado at in the Pac-12? Because are they even a factor in the Pac-12? Or I think they're both in the second tier of their conferences. Sure, and then the Big Ten is much better than the Pac-12. Like, just, I mean, the fact that they could double his salary tells you all you need to know. Because you're, you just said they're in the same tier, Yet they were able to come and pluck and double his salary, double the assistant coach's salary, and pay the buyout to get him out of Colorado. My thing about Michigan State is that I think to win there, you have to like – you're not going to be able to out-recruit the other guys. 
And so that means that you really can't miss, period. Like, the projects that you take, the guys that you think that are underrated, like, you can't miss. Because if you miss, then it gets really damn ugly fast. I mean, and it doesn't help when, you know, Michigan got... I mean, Michigan's not as good as people thought they were going to be, but they've gotten a lot better. And... I mean that's a that's a hellacious division. Oh yeah, no for sure. And but that's like I mean would you rather be at Michigan State or Tennessee? Tennessee. Tennessee would you be at Col- well, well, I meant to say would you rather be at Colorado or Tennessee because you know Tennessee for a while the East the East is pretty tough too to win. I mean granted not the same, but I mean you don't see the division being tough scaring people away that usually attracts better coaches. I guess was my point. I, I honestly I don't like to me it doesn't really matter what the best jobs are the order of the conference because Michigan State is the fourth best job in its own division um and it's like not even close yeah but when the Pac-12 is only getting 30 million dollars from TV deals yeah and they are a non-factor nationally and it feels like it's only getting worse I would get off that I would get off one of the second or third tier boats as quickly as possible no I don't blame him for leaving I think he had to with that amount of money I guess I think it might be easier to win at Colorado I mean what's his name but I feel like your cap I feel like your cap your ceiling is very low at Colorado it might be it might be I mean what Mike McIntyre did might have been the peak take him to the the Pac-12 conference championship yeah just take him to the conference championship and lose but I mean I I don't know Michigan State did make a playoff no I I think that the, the 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 ceiling is higher at Michigan State. If I am Colorado, I guess you try to hire Eric Benemy. But if I'm Eric Benemy, I am not picking up the phone. Yeah, so, you know, he's obviously a Colorado legend. He was offensive coordinator at Colorado not too long ago um, when they hired the guy before Mike McIntyre, who was a former player. Um, and it ended poorly. I mean, like, I don't even... They were even, trash. They were awful. I don't even know if that guy lasted two years. So I could see the enemy just kind of being like, man, like, I've already tried this once. Like, I'm about to be an NFL head coach. He will 100% get hired next cycle as an NFL coach because everyone's made such a big story about it. Like, not only that, like, he won a Super Bowl. Like, he's earned the job. But, like, no, it'll be impossible for a team to overlook him again because now he has a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. You know, I mean. There's just no way I'm going down to college to recruit if I can be a head coach in the NFL. I would just say, don't do it, bro. Don't do it. Yeah, I mean, John Embry's tenure at Colorado lasted two seasons, and he went 4-21. and how would you feel if a five-star quarterback came in and was like, "Hey, you got to unretire sixteen for me to play"? I mean, you, you can't, you, you can't do it. You just have to laugh. You say at no, him, right? You yeah, just you say ha- no. You have to. It's Peyton Manning. What if it's a package deal with a stud defensive lineman and he wants to rock ninety-two, and you get two five stars, two of the top ten players in the country, and they're like, "Hey, sixteen and ninety-two. It's the only way I'm coming." I don't know. If this happens, let me know, and, and I'll think about it. I'm asking you right now. I don't it know. Just happened, it just happened at Colorado. It could it, happen to you, my friend. 
you know, luckily we have a selfless individual as our five-star quarterback who puts us before I. You know, Harrison Bailey knows there's no I in team. You know, that's one of the uh, the secret truths that I've always heard that I haven't been able to confirm, but I've always heard that Trevor Lawrence, it wasn't so much Butch Jones, it was that he couldn't wear 16 at Tennessee as why he didn't come to school here. I mean, it might be. I've always heard that. I haven't been able to confirm it, though. It's just reeks of desperation. But I guess if you're Mel Tucker and you're Colorado, you are desperate. Yeah, like, you almost, I mean, like, you just, if you're Colorado, I, I know it's it's hard to say to have a little respect for yourself. <laughs> but you have to have some respect you for yourself. have some respect for yourself, man. Maybe not for the Supreme Court justice, he might understand. What if it was Cordell Stewart's number? Uh, slash, you can unretire his ner- number. He got lucky. That whole fifth down, the Hail Mary, he got lucky. Unretire it. What about Rashawn Salam? No, he was good. I, I was just going to say, you can't retire the dead guy's jersey. He's dead. There's no there's no take backs once they're dead. Yeah, yeah I mean, you got to have some respect if you're Colorado to let, like, these 18-year-old shitheads take the number of a dead dude. I mean, like, we it took us forever to even take, like, Civil War general uh, statues down. Yeah, like, they, and they did it just like, it was just like, boom, the jersey's unretired, and the next thing you know, Mel Tucker put out that tweet, you know, three days ago, I am not taking this job, I have decided to stay at Colorado, and he put about ten annoying hashtags in it, and then, and then I wake- came back and said, hey, here's two more million dollars, let's go. Like, I woke up this morning, and I saw Feldman's tweet, and I was like, wait, is this like an old tweet, somebody's quote tweet, and then I clicked on it, and saw it was like from midnight last night, and I'm like, holy shit. He's going. And then I read the story, and it said they more than doubled his salary, which was $2.7 million. And I'm just like, are these guys serious? Like, you do this for Mel Tucker? All I'm saying is that if you can offer a base salary of $5.5 million, I've got a list of coaches that I'm calling, and Mel Tucker's probably like 50th on that list. And there was not enough time to get from 1 to 49. I want to know, yeah, I want to know like where he ranked on the list. Was he just after Luke Fickle? Because I feel like if you have five and a half million dollars, like don't you have to call Jeremy Pruitt first? Yeah, there's. A, I'm telling you, there's. There, I got one through like, forty nine. Jeremy Pruitt needs to Pru- fire. Jeremy Pruitt needs to fire his agent. Like, hey, you couldn't like float my name to uh, to Michigan State. At least get me a raise out of this. Yeah, like we we begrudgingly gave or giving Pruitt an extension this offseason only because. Goofy Eli Drinkwitz and Lane Kiffin are making more than he is. And we're basically like, well, you know, I guess he's kind of got a point. If they're making more than he is, he probably deserves a raise. That's it. That's the only reason he's getting a raise. Let's get to some patron questions because this is getting close to the deadline, Seth. I don't know if you know, but a brand new, super important season of Survivor is about to start. Okay. It's the war of the winners. I 20 hope it champions. Go- 20 let's, champions are back, let's all hope, competing against each other. Let's hope this survivor goes better than last season. Patreon.com slash Reed's Ranch. Shout out to new $5 patron, John Broyles. Shout out to Brother John. Thank you, buddy. We love you and appreciate you. 
uh, last couple days for you to register if you want to be on the list for the baseball porch. We got 40 tickets for Vanderbilt, who I believe is number one in the country. We are yes. there on uh, the Saturday. I think it's March 17th. Uh, if you want to get on that list, you got until I think I said the 15th to sign up before I start divvying out tickets. We'll do a March Madness bracket pool as well for the patrons. So patreon.com slash reads ranch. Seth, you uh, see any questions that caught your eye? Um, yeah, I'd like to ask you one. Okay, go for it. Um, would you rather be stuck in a broken elevator full of people from China or spend a week at Neverland Ranch as a 13-year-old boy? Well, first of all, being stuck in, the, in an elevator with crowded people seems like one of my worst nightmares in general. Like, mm-hmm. That is one of the worst things I could think of. I'm slightly claustrophobic because my brother used to hold me down and spit on me. <laughs> and I hate elevators. They get hot and stuffy. So already we're in a bad position. And let's look at it like you ever see those TV shows where they take the, the scale and they put like things on it to try to weigh out the scale. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw a cool episode of Boy Meets World one time when they was trying to decide between Topanga and I believe her name was Alex. So they're putting M&Ms on the scale and they're trying to figure out which one weighs. So uh, what are the pros of being stuck in an elevator? I don't, I don't know that there are any. There are no pros of being stuck in an elevator. What are the pros of a weekend at, Never, at the Neverland Ranch? Uh, new shoes, new outfits. Merry-go-round. Maybe being in music videos. Some money. You get to ride around in a limousine. Those are already like four or five pros. So the scale is completely weighed down on one side. The cons, well, one, you um, may get the coronavirus. You're going to be a nervous wreck for 30 days, mm-hmm. right? You're going to be living it. You're going to be living in hell for 30 days. Every time you cough, you feel like, oh my god, am I dying? Mm-hmm. What are the cons of Neverland Ranch? Maybe having to model for Michael Jackson. Maybe having to bend over and, and, and show him what you're working with. Maybe. We haven't proven that. We don't know for sure. There's still a possibility that nothing was happening there. Right? I mean, at least a possibility. Mm-hmm. How convinced are you that something bad happened there? Uh, pretty convinced, yeah. What percentage? 85 to 90. Okay, so you're 15% unconvinced. Sure. So, uh, just, I'm weighing it out, and I, I'm going with the ranch. Mm-hmm. I'm going with the ranch. A, it's on brand. It's on brand. B, B, I'll get new shoes, new gear, some money. C, I'm not dying. I'm not dying. I'm not infecting my whole family with the coronavirus. I think it's an easy choice. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty half-hearted. Um, hmm. No, you, I'm just you listening. Going the, you I'm, going with the hotel? I'm letting you talk uh, the, because the, I'm the, enjoying listening. Elevator. I'm enjoying listening to you, John. I'm, I'm letting you pontificate and expound. I was enjoying your pros and cons because they were very well thought out. DF asked one to ten. How stupid is it having to celebrate Valentine's Day? Pretty dumb. That's not a scale of 1 to 10. That oh, is a uh, pretty dumb. Eight? 8. Yeah. What do you think? 
I don't mind celebrating Valentine's Day. But I don't go any... I, the most I do is send flowers. Yeah. Maybe do something special in the bedroom that night. Yeah, every day special with you, John. Let's just say on the 15th, my neck gets pretty sore. <laughs> I do hate the uh, the pressure of feeling like you have to do something, though. Mm-hmm. That is stupid. I don't yep. appreciate that. That's a 10 out of 10 on the scale. I hate feeling like you have to do something. You, uh, you know, but you probably should send at least flowers or get a card, maybe some candy, some ice cream, something like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe try to cook dinner. Yeah. Do you have a bad Valentine's Day experience? Davey wants to know. No. I was trying to think about this too, and I don't think I have had a bad Valentine's Day experience. I don't have like any memorable ones that really like stand out that I can think of off the top of my head either. Yeah. Like lovely dinners and, you know, getting some like uh, those uh, Reese hearts. Mm-hmm. I always look forward to that this time, you know, this time of year, the Reese hearts. One time Kendall sent me flowers, I think, which I was a little confused by. <laughs> Thought that was a little weird, but it was thoughtful, and it's the thought that counts. It was thoughtful. She's a good woman. Do you have any plans for Valentine's Day? No. Me neither. Me neither. (laughs) A friend of the podcast asked, what's dumber, Valentine's Day or Rick Barnes wearing the red shirt, Vescovi? We actually hit both of these. Which one are you officially? uh, I feel like you're going to give Vescovi the nod here. I was. Me and Mike were talking about that this morning. We were both like, just imagine watching this team and thinking – we need to not play this guy. So I'm going to go with that one because I really can't get over it. I, I, it. He's bombing threes from like Chattanooga. He said he feels comfortable nine feet behind the line. I saw that. I mean, that's awesome. Like that one last night, he just basically looked at the dude and he was like, you're not going to come out here and guard me? Okay, I'm going to launch it. And he launched it and it was just... Pure like last night, you could really tell. Like he, you can tell he's really starting to get in a groove because, like last night, there were several threes that he shot it, and as soon as he shot it, he started running back down the court, running back down to the other side of the court. And it's I like, meant to say it earlier, but when you're talking about the way he controls the pace and everything, yeah, he does remind me a little of Trey Young, because Trey is not the most athletic guy either, and he gets by people, yeah, and has the nice passes. And he bombs shots, you know, from nine feet behind the three-point line. So he does. Ha- he does remind me a little bit of Trey. Yeah, it, it's next year is very exciting. You know, ne- next year it's very exciting to think about what we'll have next year. Agree. Just, well, you can put Jaden Springer off the ball. You have Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson on the wing. You got John Fulkerson, Mister Double Double, All SEC, John Fulkerson. Patrolling the paint. You your might, early, your your way too early projection. Like Vescovi has to start next yes, year. Yes, right? Vescovi has to start point guard, right? So are you starting all three freshmen, or um, you're going to have a little bit of a log jam? I'm going to say that. Let's just say that, like, you're, I assume you're going to start Fulkerson, correct, so, Mister yes. Double Double, All SEC. What I'm, what, uh, I my, assume you're going to start Pines as well, correct? So it depends if he goes pro or not. Well, right, I'm just saying, let's assume Pons comes back. Then I think it will be um, 
Vescovi, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, John Fulkerson, and either Pons or a graduate transfer. I think they'll get a graduate transfer big man. So you're leaving Corey Walker coming off the bench. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I I, I don't see a way Josiah James starts. Yeah, and bringing Josiah off the bench. Okay. I mean, it's going to be I mean, uh, an I interesting mean, lineup problem to have. And what if Jalen Johnson decides to run it back, man? I mean, the, you know. And I, I feel pretty confident that Jalen Johnson will be coming off the bench. <laughs> I feel pretty sure about that one. <laughs> pretty confident. Yeah, I think. Th- I, I imagine Jalen is going to seek greener pastures this offseason. He might try to go pro. I mean, he might. He might. There's going to be some real openings in the China Chinese Basketball Association next year. Yeah, they're they're going to have to fill some roster spots. They've had um, you know, an an involuntary strike, so to speak, with you know their population. Tech of all asked for me, would I rather wrestling be abolished or everyone but me? get $2,000 a month for life and I cannot benefit from it at all. Uh, I don't like wrestling that much. Like I, I, if wrestling went off the TV, I would be completely fine. Like I, I don't like that. He's asking me a question. Like I couldn't live without wrestling. What kind of fucking nerd. Do you think I am? Like I'd be okay. I would just watch survivor and other fantasy shows. But the idea of everyone else getting $2,000 a month for life I don't want to sound like a hater, but like that would just literally make me poorer, right? Like everyone yeah. in the world just keeps pushing me further and further down the line. I feel like I can't have that happen either, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I would definitely, uh, I would rather wrestling be abolished. I'm sorry, guys. I don't want to be a hater. I don't want to keep you guys from getting $2,000. But also, if everyone in the world is getting $2,000, like inflation, hello, you're not actually benefiting from it. It's just hurting all of us. Like, we're all getting hurt here. So, yeah, get rid of wrestling. I don't care. I don't care at all about that. That's fine. Yeah, get rid of wrestling. I agree. I'm actually really offended that that was what you thought I would be afraid to give up. Any other questions? If not, I'm ready to go. It's almost time for Survivor. Go watch Survivor, buddy. Okay. See you, Seth. I love you, buddy. Love you. Talk to you next week. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. See ya. They haven't come for me. I'm not the main event. Oh, won't you take me as I am? Molly is waiting. so unprepared the air is trembling in my hands oh won't you take me as I am I'll return them to the world then I'll take you home And lay down by your body And I'll never let you
with me.